Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and Dave Filoni, as well as the rest of the team at Lucasfilm, have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, he and I are recording this on, what is it, this is Monday, November 30th. Is that correct, or? Yes, it sure is. Okay, so Cyber Monday. Uh, did we do any of our holiday shopping over you know the, the, the past couple of days? You know, we did we've done a lot over the past couple of weeks because so many things have been available because of the the coronavirus. They've mm-hmm. had a lot of Black Friday prices for a while. So we've been doing we've been doing our fair share of keeping the UPS and FedEx people very busy. <laughs> yes, we, we 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 have them trundle up and down the driveway here as well. Um, I, I do want to point out, uh, folks, by the way, that that a, a, you know, a there's a great bargain right now going on of, of an Amazon. I know, we, I know we've talked repeatedly in the past about Dan's book, the Star Wars book, uh, which you wrote with Pablo Hildago. And oh, I'm blanking his name. Help me out here. Cole Horton. Cole Horton. Okay. I, you know, well, it turns out, remember, folks, this book, this is this is wonderful. The book. Uh, debuted on Amazon for $25 uh, when it was first released back on October 20th. Right now, again, uh, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, whatever it is, uh, Amazon is selling it for $16.64. It's a third off, you know, and you still get, you know, that, all those wonderful stories. Um, and now, mind you, uh, I, I, you know, again, I could justify spending. I mean, do I already have my copy? You know, and easily justify spending the $16.64. What I'm having trouble justifying, Dan, is uh, the Star Wars archive, the, the 1999 to 2005 from Passion. Um, you've seen this, right? You're, or you're, you're aware that it's it's arriving on, what, December 13th, right? Oh, yeah, and you and I have talked about it quite a bit, and it's got some stunning reveals about <gasps> George's plans for the sequel trilogy. Uh, it, see, that's the thing. I'm, 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 you know, that's that's what I want to hear because I, I really, I mean, they've got it marked down. It's it's only one hundred fifty two dollars down from two hundred, and it's six hundred pages, you know. Uh, but but again, I'm I'm the, the flinty New Englander, so I, I'm, I'm trying to convince Santa, aka Nancy, that I've been extra good this year, and so far it's not working, Dan. Um, so <laughs> she knows me too well. She does. She does. Okay. So speaking of the holidays, I, I wanted, you know, you were able to sort of hint that you had seen the Lego holiday special, uh, which debuted on Disney plus back on November 17th. But now, you know, uh, everybody's had a chance to take a look at it. This, this wonderful thing that was done by atomic cartoons, the Lego group, as well as the Lucasfilm. So uh, did you have any particular favorite moments out of it or? Well, if I have a quibble, it's that the majority of the really funny stuff was revealed in the trailer, but that's kind of the mm-hmm. standard, really. That but, is true. That is. But true. I, I think what I love the most is that it actually had some some nice pathos to it. It, it took Ray and kind of put her in a Marty McFly situation, mm-hmm. and then it, it has her again can kind of confront what her role is in the universe, but this time from the perspective of a teacher mm-hmm. and her relationship with with Luke at different ages in his life and how she handles things and just sort of the thrilling nature of it. Mm-hmm. I thought was, was just really well done. And of course it's very fun and light 
I think maybe my one of my favorite moments or standout moments, because it's hard to pick just one, but I would say it's when Darth Vader meets Darth Vader on Hoth. That was pretty entertaining. <laughs> that was pretty cool. What about I, you? Well, you know, the, I have to admit, I really like the writing, because if you think about it, this was a hard Venn diagram to pull off, because it, it really is, it's, it's, it doesn't have a mean bone in its body. It's a very affectionate send-up. Um, but at the same time, there are enough truly inside jokes so that, you know, I mean, a, a, a casual Star Wars fan could enjoy this, but, you know, somebody who's genuinely hardcore, you know, could, oh, you know, I mean, you know, that, that you know, there were enough jokes in there that, look, you know, only the Mer people are going to get that one. Um, and at the same time, how can you not love a holiday special that ends with Yoda dressed like Sam the Snowman from Rudolph? Yes. Um, and it had nothing to do with the real uh, holiday special. So that's always good, too. This is true. And, you know, in fact, I, I loved that, that they, they, they never identified them as lumpy. And uh, what what would uh, Chewbacca's wife's name again? Oh, dang. Therese? Uh, I, I really anyway, remember. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the, I, I gotta love the, the, the amount of serving the corporate master that, that was, I mean, did you notice that they had tip yip for their holiday meal, which again, you can only get at, you know, uh, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, uh, and, and likewise, I love that when, um, when Darth Vader gave you know, the Emperor his coffee mug, you know, I had to look in all the stores at Blackfire Outpost. So it was like, yeah, okay. You made the people at Disney happy. Um, so thumbs up there. Um, but I couldn't help but notice that in sort of the same window of time that we got um, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, we also got, now I'm not going to say it's a whole episode of Star Wars detours because it was really just a sketch, you know, a, a, a five, a, you know, five, what, six minute long sketch um, that that bubbled up on YouTube over the weekend. Did, did you happen to catch that or? You know, for some reason, I chose to watch my Chicago Bears painfully embarrassing themselves yet again on national television against their rival, the Green Bay Packers. So I didn't watch it yet, but, okay. but uh, people I know who did see it so that they thought it was really fun. Well, you know, I, it's for me, Star Wars Detours is a fascinating story, you know, in that, I mean, I, first of all, I have to ask, it was officially announced at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. It, it, it was, that was one of the, the, uh, the celebrations that you attended, right? Uh, celebration. I did not attend Celebration Six. That was, oh. that was the last one, and I when I thought to myself, I've got to start going to these things. Okay, okay, because this again, this is so. This is um, this is the one that's held in Orlando. I, I mean, August sixteenth and nineteenth of two thousand twelve, and you know they they bring Seth Green on stage, and and you know it's it you know in fact what's interesting is you can watch a lot of the panel on YouTube. And they basically described the fact that, that the folks that do Robot Chicken and George Lucas uh, sort of reached out to one another because the, the folks at Lucasfilm really enjoyed the Star Wars-related sketches and the Indiana Jones-related sketches that were done, uh, you know, for this Adult Swim show. And, you know, they talked about maybe doing a collaboration. And, you know, this is what came out of it, Star Wars Tours. But, it, and, and the conceit of the show, it was going to be set 
uh, you know, between the events of Star Wars Episode Three and uh, Episode Four, and and they really brought the A team in. I mean, what's weird is if you look at the the, the vocal cast. Like, you know, Dan, you, you, I mean, Anthony Daniels is there as C-3PO. Yeah. Billy D. Williams is is there as Lando. Uh, you know, they even bring Ahmed Best in to do Jar Jar Binks. And this is, you know, think about it. How long has it been? You know, it's been almost more than a decade at, at this point since uh, Phantom Menace. And, you know, and so they produce 39 episodes, two seasons worth of shows. Uh, they write scripts for an additional 62 episodes. So the plan was that they were going to be three more seasons of the show. But uh, honestly, just it's it's six weeks after they officially announced the show with Star Wars Celebration 6 that news breaks that the Walt Disney Company is going to be buying Lucasfilm for $4 billion and change. And, um, and, and, you know, Star Wars Detours is the show that gets kind of caught in the lurch by this. Um, because, you know, Disney takes a look at the finished episodes. And, you know, they they, they admire the craft. I mean, it's it's, it's decent CG and the, the writing's good. Um, but at the same time, Disney's paid $4 billion for this IP, which they, they want a return on. And, and the belief in-house at Disney is that this perhaps is the wrong way for Disney to launch its, um, you know, its ownership of, of, of Lucasfilm. They, they feel like, you know, in fact, if you remember that period, uh, Dan, you know, wasn't it Star Wars Rebels that, that made it first out the door? Yes, it was. Okay. Right. And, let, you know, you think about it, well-animated show, but but very... You know, I mean, and very entertaining, but also, you know, very respectful, very serious of the mythology and the characters and the like. Um, and then, you know, that was first out the door. And then, of course, we got, um, you know, The Force Awakens. And this show has been since March of 2013. Uh, you know, the, in fact, the, the phrase that, that was used, it was never canceled. It was just postponed. And at some point, this will, will come out, supposedly. And but now we're we're seven years later, and you know and, and and what's you know honestly if you you take sort of the um, the ten thousand foot view of it I think honestly that Star Wars, Star Tours Detours is more representative of George's own sense of humor especially when it comes to Star Wars uh, I mean face it George. Uh, you know, George supported the Family Guy, uh, you know, Star Wars parody episodes. Yeah. Uh, likewise, again, he he not not only enjoyed watching the uh, the Robot Chicken sketches in, in a very memorable one that actually sends up George, you know, the, the Comic Con experience. George himself you know, divorces George Lucas, where he's being chased through Comic Con by a, a mob of crazy Star Wars fans. Uh, a wonderfully funny sketch, though. By the way, folks, worth checking out. But um, it is one of the better ones for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's you know, it's, so it's it's interesting that right now this one sketch bubbled up because in the same window of time, I don't know if you saw there was evidently a a, 
a Disney Plus presentation done for the South American market that somebody took a shot of the screen during, you know, somebody asked, okay, so what's the future of Disney Plus? And they were like, oh, okay, let me let us show you what the, the future of Disney Plus is. And it was Disney 18 Plus. Uh, have you heard about this, Dan? No, I have not. Yeah. Well, remember, when, when Disney acquired 20th Century Fox, uh, it got a lot of R-rated material. Uh, it also, and let's face it, uh, Touchstone and Hollywood Pictures over, you know, it, the many years that, that you know, those studios were up and running at Disney, they made a number of R-rated films as well. And, and none of these to date have showed up on Disney+. Plus. And the thinking going forward is they have this amazing Fox library, but they have not used all of it. And they haven't used all this adult material. Uh, and when I say adult, I mean adult themes, you know, adult, you know, base stories, that sort of thing. And so evidently, a, we're about a year or so out from the official launch of this. But the notion is that when you buy a subscription to Disney+, Plus, you will have the option of also having a, a subscription to Disney 18+, Plus, but it will be a password-encoded, age-sensitive system. Uh, and in that, you know, your children will, in theory, not be able to get access to this material. They'll need mom or dad's password to get in. Um, and I, as I understand it, that was part of the South American presentation explaining that, you know, uh, you know that, that we, we, we've done what we believe is a very good job of vaulting this material. Uh, and, you know, that, that, again, we will now be able to use the entire film library. So, um, but but that's it. You know, I, I don't mean to be critical of, of Disney and what they've done with Star Wars, because, I mean, just today, Dan, the National uh, Research uh, Organization uh, came out with its uh, findings about the top uh, franchises in entertainment right now. And it turns out that the Mandalorian, Marvel's Avengers, and Netflix's Stranger Things are the top entertainment franchises in the market right now. Um, yeah, my and, favorites for sure. I love that. And you know what's fascinating about that is, face it, the Mandalorian it, at this point is only it's it's less than thirteen months old. You know, it, it, it you know none of us knew anything about Mando or the Child or, or that sort of thing. So this is all happening in one year's time. You know, and, you know, again, walking through Target and seeing the, the now walls and walls of the child merch. It's just I remember last year where everybody was like, I want something. Give me something. And it's like, I think the, the only thing they could bring to market quickly were the child socks. Yeah. Um, you know, got everything short of the child suppositories. <laughs> Please don't give them that idea. I'm Did you know them. that the Mandalorian is the first Disney Plus show to make Nielsen's streaming top 10 list? Wow. No, I yeah, did not know that. Through Variety. Okay. Well, now you see that. that so, again, it's a hit. And we, you know, on our last episode, we, we talked about, I want to say, the, the first three episodes. Um, and now we've had two very interesting ones drop the siege and the Jedi. And I, I you, the, the English teacher, you, the one who, who has great insights into narrative and, you know, uh, what are your thoughts about these two? So I, I think the, I think 
they're both really, really good episodes. I like the seed a little bit more just because I like, mm-hmm. I just like that we got to see a different side of Grief Karga and sort of see Carl Weathers come into his own, both as a director and as a character actor through this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great fun. And then the, the sucker punch reveal of why the Empire wants the child's blood specifically. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's a little bit of ambiguity plus some reference to Dark Troopers from the Star Wars Legends line is great. And then the one for the Jedi. Well, why don't we let's talk about that and then we'll talk about the Jedi. What do you think about the siege? I, I have to admit, you know, I, the siege had some beautifully staged action stuff. Uh, I, I especially love, you know, as the, 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 the vehicle is making its way, you know, back to safety and the three TIE fighters are coming down at it and it, it looks like all is lost because the gun has been blown out. And that the honestly, again, you know, one of my favorite moments out of all of Star Wars history is, you know, that moment where the, the you know, uh, the Millennium Falcon dives out of the sun and, and saves Luke. And the fact that we got a variation on that moment that all seemed lost and then Mando was suddenly there and able to take out the three. Um, but, but what I especially loved about it was what happened next was when you know that they, they had you know that they, they had done sort of the, the loop-de-loop and we cut back to the child in its seat who's you know eating the little blue cookies that he you know swiped from the kid in the classroom and as you know as any parent will get you know remembers you know that this that that well, when you turn around and your your child has barfed in the child's seat and now it's like oh okay and and and, and i think about it you have you know uh you know that the, the the, the characters that have just been saying, come back, let's go to the bar. And it's like, no, I got to clean up the car and I got things to do. And it's just sort of like, and it was Mando as the good dad that, you know, it's like, I, I would love to go out drinking with my friends, but I have to clean up my, my son. I have to clean up the car. And then I got this other errand I got to run. And I, I, I want to take credit for this, and I'm, I'm blanking the name of the, the, the writer that did it, but there was this wonderful piece this week that pointed out that one of the things that's really great about The Mandalorian is that it's the first, you know, think about it, over the course of, you know, the entire, you know, Sky, Skywalker saga, we saw in various, you know, permutations, dysfunctional father-son type relationships you know yes, that, that... i'm actually going to bring that up and i'm glad that you <laughs> did because of course luke and anakin is pretty clear mm-hmm. and then the force awakens mm-hmm. obviously you know murdering your father is a big no-no but also the fact that han solo is essentially an absentee father i mean mm-hmm. he really is and people don't really talk about that a lot but the way it's presented he certainly is mm-hmm. this is actually an example of a healthy father-son dynamic and i and i and especially as a father of three sons i i really am, am grateful that we get to see it like this well no absolutely absolutely but it just but at the same time that that uh, not to shift too quickly here to the jedi but you know the, that they again over the course of that story you know mando is putting the needs of the child first and you you could you know there's that wonderful moment where he goes into the ship to collect the child to to wake him up to basically deliver him uh to ahsoka and 
just you know the fact that you know this is killing him but this is what you know is best for the child and mm -hmm. it's just it's one of these things where it's like this is so rare in the star wars universe um but, but speaking of which, we, we shifted over to uh, the Jedi, and obviously, again, everybody's talking about it. What did you What did you think of Rosario Dawson's take on Ahsoka? So I've I've thought about this a lot, and I'm just I know a lot of people like it. A lot of people certainly aren't aren't sure what to think, and I'm kind of in that boat too. I'm just not sure where I'm at with this thing mm -hmm. because. It's uh, I think that she's an excellent actress. I think she I think the the transition that they did from animation to live action, the makeup, the Rosario, the way Rosario Dar Dawson carries herself. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally from folding her arms to the way she very gracefully extends her palm and then her fingers to let that that knob off the top of the of the Razor Crest ship mm -hmm. float to the child or Grogu, I should say. Mm -hmm. is is really remarkable uh, her mannerisms are very much intact but it's just very very hard for me for it not to be ashley eckstein and i have no idea what in went into the decision or or if ashley is even cares to be mm -hmm. honest I, I have no idea i know it's a business mm -hmm. but it's very hard for me because i i mean i don't know as ashley eckstein and i know her i mean i i wouldn't say we're necessarily friends because she's a pretty mm -hmm. busy person but Every time I do see her, she always says, hello, Dan, comes up and gives me a hug, and she's very, very gracious and kind. I just think she's a really good person and a great ambassador for Star Wars, and I wish that she got to bring Ahsoka to live action. And so I'm having a hard time with that. And someone mm -hmm. said to me, what about Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo? Did you have a problem with that? No, I didn't. I had no mm -hmm. problem with that, and everyone knows how much I love Harrison Ford. But for whatever reason, this transition didn't uh, grab me the way that I wanted it to. Part of that is because we knew that it was going to be called the Jedi before it actually aired. I, I had anticipated it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 12 years of seeing a character animated before it goes to live action also makes it hard to live up to that hype. I'm reminded of initial reaction to the Phantom Menace or the Force Awakens because Star Wars fans have a hard time because our expectations are so high of meeting mm -hmm. those. So I, I think it's a little it's a little tricky. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not going to pan it. I think it's it's very well done for what we have, but it's hard for me to disassociate from Ashley Eckstein. But what about no, you? I, I get that. I get that. I have to admit, I, I, this, you know, the siege was so entertaining. Like, so, you know, and, and to be honest, this has been a great season so far, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the Mandalorian. So, you know, ooh, can't wait for this one. And, and it just, I mean, I felt like, well, first of all, there was a lot of exposition, yes. you know, and, 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 and it's, you know, I think Dave Filoni was the one mentioning that it was John Favreau who came to him with the name Gorgu, you know, you know, that, that, Grogu. In fact, I, yeah. Grogu. and I'm sorry, but you know, I'm again, Dan, I'm old. I remember Gorgo, the 1961 British film that riffs on Godzilla. Have you ever seen this? Oh yes. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. So it was like, what? Yeah, it okay. Similar, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Well, but it's one of these things really, you, you didn't Google the name and oh, well, there might be a slight confusion. Um, Wait, what do you think about, cause I have stuff to say about Grogu. What do you think about uh, Rosario Dawson? I, I thought overall she did a solid job, but at the same time, I felt like the poor woman was saddled with so much exposition. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, that 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 bit at the end where Mando comes to surrender the child, and she's, I can't take it. You know, but you know, go to this temple, put the child on the, you know, the the you know, the stone. Some other Jedi might find it. And it was one of these things where it's like, oh, you know, this poor woman who's saddled with. Let me move your story forward. Now, I want to stress here that I trust John Favreau. I trust. Dave Filoni, I know this is going to pay off, but it was, for me, it was, you know, just sort of like, I I worried that this is the moment that, you know, and that coupled with the the fact that the the fight, you know, uh, in in the garden ended, you know, with where is Admiral Thrawn? And it's just one of these things where I worried that this is the exact moment that the Mandalorian goes from being that show that a casual Star Wars fan can walk into and just enjoy because it's so well done and the characters are so compelling to, you know, this is one of these things where it's like, hang on, I got to go find out who Admiral Thrawn is. Hang on, I got to go, you know, find out about this temple. And, you know, there are shows that were hits that preceded the Mandalorian, shows like Lost, and the X-Files, that same thing. They were hits, you know, that a casual you know, uh, viewer could walk into and enjoy. And what concerns me is, again, for the exact same reason that people began to walk away from X-Files and the Lost, because the narrative got too dense. You know, you had to know, for example, who were, you know, what dark troopers were, or, you know, uh, you know that sort of thing. Um, I, I mean, I just, I, I just worry that, you know, don't make this too complex. It, it, it's it's wonderful the way it is right now. And I realize that, you know, but at the same time, Dave Filoni is a Star Wars, uh, you know, a dictionary with feet. And he has all sorts of characters and worlds he wants to fold in. And I don't want to discourage that either. But I just, it's like, just just remember there, there were people who were just being introduced to this world that, you know, maybe don't have their copy yet of, you know, you know, Dan's Star Wars books and can't, you know, go to the dictionary at the back and the dark troopers. What are dark troopers? Well, what you a know? great, what a great uh, reason to get the Star Wars book to fill in the gaps. Well, there we go. Okay. But, so that's, that's our second plug for tonight, Dan. I just want to point that out. Um, well, we're, we're just getting started. It's going to be a drinking okay. game pretty soon. There we go. Uh, no, you know, I love what you said. And I think that's very important. Uh, I, I, to me, I don't worry about that as much because there, there's, I mean, history is full of great, TV shows and movies that make references to things that are in the mythology that are later revealed in the stories, in the mm-hmm. shows themselves. So people may think, oh, here's something new, and they can just sit tight and let it come to them when it does, if it does on on the screen on Disney Plus. So it could be that. If anything, I, I feel like the majority of this season has been all about the secret guest stars. And they almost uh... eclipsed the Mandalorian. They almost eclipsed in Jaren sometimes. Where he sort of yes. takes the back seat. I mean, in the siege, there's a good five to seven minutes of action where the Mandalorian isn't even there. And that's new. And I just want to make sure that we remember the show is called The Mandalorian, not The Brave and the Bold, where we okay. throw in extra guest stars all the time. And that to me is a little more something that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, okay. but I'm aware of it. Well, now I'm going to feel <laughs> really self conscious for bringing this up. But there How is. Yeah, there is a Disney cameo in uh, the Jedi. That, in fact, uh, 
governor wing uh you know, oh, that, that's they, cool yeah i love this this is not yeah right. that, that that it turns out that the, the 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 gentleman who uh mando goes to and has his two kids outside and please don't talk to me you know uh and who eventually you know uh ahsoka you know hands over or, or the, the people of the colony elect is that they're official um that is uh disney legend and former imaginary wing t chow who um did some of the, the the best architecture on you know uh, on disney property and and i guess as it turns out he's this huge star wars fan and again this was kind of fulfilling a lifelong dream for him to be in a star wars project so uh i i again it was just it was one of these things where i'm watching and it's like i know that face why do i know that face and it was like because you know how sometimes you'll see somebody out of context and can't place them, and it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I I've talked to this guy you know multiple times over the past twenty years, but it's always in relation to the, well the conventions that is over there, and the you know the kitchens are over there, and and it's just to to see him in you know in the Star Wars universe was just kind of startling. So, but but still very cool. Um, but again, Dan, you know, we've seen five of the eight episodes for this season so far, and there are just three left. And again, I don't know if you saw what uh, Lucasfilm executive Hal Hinkle tweeted out just today. Uh, but he, it, 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 this is what he says about the next three episodes. Y'all in for a roller coaster these last three episodes. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I can't help but think that uh you know that tracking so. device is going to come into play sometime fairly soon we're gonna have quite a little thanksgiving table with all of these this cast of characters that we've got going here yeah yeah i'm um, gonna miss it when it's gone uh this season i mean every friday morning mason and i wake up extra early i get our breakfast ready get my coffee ready wake him up we go into the basement and turn on the, the show and it's just fun little we call it our mando mornings it's just fun little father-son bond, bonding moments that we're having the best time with well i i, I do have a, a bit of good news for you then i don't know if you've heard that in much the same way that disney gallery the mandalorian how we got to see season one made they have made disney gallery the mandalorian season two uh we'll we'll start to get to see that in uh early 2021 so That's great it's uh, great once again get the peek behind the scenes um and speaking of peeking behind the scenes we have some willow news which we'll get to on the second half of today's show and we're back um okay dan so i think we talked uh if not the last episode the episode before that about the news about the new willow limited series that's uh, right that's yeah. coming to disney plus um and it seemed to be picking up speed. Uh, just today, we got news about members of the cast. Did you did you see this at all? Or I did. There's some there's some great news here. Yeah. All right. So we have Ellie Bamber, uh, who folks might know from the show Nocturnal Animals, Kaylee Spani uh, from the uh, Netflix film The Craft Legacy, and finally Erin Kellyman, who. It, you know, it, at first I couldn't place her, but I, you know, she's in Solo. She's Enfys Nest. That's right. There we go. Yeah, she's one of the one of the rebels who who you know actually you know persuades Solo you know that that, that to to sort of effectively change sides. 
but these are these three young ladies are the female leads for Willow. Uh, and we actually have a little teeny tiny bit of story. Um, I, you know, that the, the official storyline for the show hasn't been released yet, but according to the circulated casting sheets, um, the Willow television series for Disney Plus is going to revolve around a group on a mission to save a kidnapped prince. Uh, the members of the team include Dove, uh, whose backstory resembles that of Willow in that uh, Dove is a kitchen maid who proves that she's the chosen one as she sets out on this journey. Uh, she is joined by Kit, uh, who's played by Ms. Spawny. Uh, she is the princess whose twin brother has been abducted, uh, destined to be a leader and ultimately the queen. And finally, Kellyman plays Jade, a servant who is Kit's best friend and moral compass. And she is on her way to be the best young warrior in the village. And they have not cast this role yet, but they are looking for uh, an older gentleman who is supposed to echo Val Kilmer's character from the original uh, Willow movie in that he's going to be a thief and a liar uh, who joins the quest in exchange for getting out of prison. So I right, give a little bit of, bit better sense of, of where this story is going to go. That And that is similar to how you and Drew Taylor met, I think. Uh, th- this is true. This is true. You know, that, that's... I, you know, if if he hadn't gotten me out of jail, well, I don't know what I'd be doing. We, we um, have to be on the uh, the the resume that they're willing to give playful jabs to Drew Taylor and whoever the new co-host is. I, I will, I will make sure to to note that during the auditions. <laughs> so, and and speaking of auditions, okay. So, as the story goes, George Lucas had seen this six foot seven inch tall weightlifter. Um, I, I, when he appeared in uh, Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange, and it's like, ooh, I, you know, I, I, you know, I want to work with that guy. And so, uh, you know, this guy goes in for the audition. And George, as he tells the story, uh, George said to me, you've got a choice between two characters in this movie. Uh, there's a character called Chewbacca, who's a huge teddy bear, or alternatively, is the main villain of the piece. And this actor said, well, there's no choice then. There is there. Thank you very much. I'll take the villain's piece. You know, because everybody remembers the villain. And certainly all Star Wars fans remember David Prowse, who sadly we, we lost just this past weekend. Um, you know, can you talk about you know, the first time you saw Star Wars and, and Vader comes striding up the, the, the corridor, what did you think, Dan? Well, I, I mean, I, I just remember I was I was five, but mm-hmm. I just remember being just sort of stunned by this massive presence. And, mm-hmm. and I'm glad we're talking about David Prowse because, well, clearly the voice, mm-hmm. James Earl Jones of Vader, gets so much of the credit, and rightfully so. The, the gravitas, the weight, the, the presence, the figure that is Darth Vader, we owe that to David mm-hmm. Prowse. I mean, he, he's a very, very significant uh, person in the creation of this story. And also, by the way, not related to looking at Lucasfilm, he helped to get Christopher Reeve in shape for the original Superman. That's true. That is true. Uh, you know, mind you, this that was before 
Uh, he shot Star Wars, but it's interesting you bring up his physicality because George Lucas just over the past day or so wrote a tribute to, to, to David. And he, he said, David brought a physicality to Darth Vader that was essential for the character. He made Vader leap off the page and onto the big screen mm-hmm. with an imposing stature and movement performance that to match the intensity and undercurrent of Vader's presence. David was up for anything and contributed to the success of what would be a memorable, tragic figure. And, you know, and, and let's face it, a lot of the, the reason um, that he was able to do that was uh, he, he was, you know, a, a, what is it? He was a, a champion weightlifter. I think he was all national for like three years in a row. Sounds, um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly being able to, to handle heavy weights and such came in handy when you played Darth Vader, because it, it, well, what was it between the, the outfit, which is made of fiberglass and leather, uh, weighed 40, 40 pounds all by itself. Uh, and then <laughs> there was the helmet, uh, in fact, uh, uh, David, uh, in his memoir from 2005, straight from the force's mouth, by the way, I love that title. Um, once the mask was fitted, I was virtually blind and the, the heat generated by the suit obeyed the laws of physics and traveled upwards straight into the mask and which immediately missed up the eyepieces, which was inconvenient to say the least, but not an insurmountable problem. As long as I was able to look through the triangular cutout under beneath the mask's nose molding and use it as a spy hole. So think about it. He's doing all of this, you know, virtually blind looking out through the nose, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know that I can say that it's the same thing, but when, when I got out of high school, I was, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese and I dressed up as Chuck E. Cheese a couple of times. I could barely see out of that thing. Oh Yeah. <laughs> That's that. I think I, I think David might have had a little tougher. Now, but now, interesting. You you mentioned you know uh, just a moment ago about you know face it when you you look at Darth Vader. You again, you have to look at the sum of all parts. I mean, you again, you got David's physicality. You've got uh, James Earl Jones' voice, which by the way is augmented. By Ben Burt. In fact, neither James Earl Jones or David Prowse did the <laughs> breathing thing. That was evidently um, Ben Burt working with a scuba gear regulator. Um, and then let's not forget about the fact that you know when it came time for uh, you know Darth Vader to say battle. With Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, you know that that that's when Bob Anderson, um, the stunt double, stepped in. Uh, who who I, I want to say was a fencing master. That's right. Um, yeah, and then let's not forget. In fact, you know that I I, I remember talking with David about this. I, I was lucky enough to meet him at a, a, a Comic Con. I want to say in 2011, 2012. But you know, he was so looking forward. He'd read the script for uh again what it was originally revenge of the jedi and saw the scene went oh my god darth vader's gonna get a mess now finally people will finally get to see my face and no it was sebastian shaw um because you know uh, you know george wanted that kind of uh, david said something to the effect of wanted a humpty dumpty look um you know you know the, the fact that this this man had been trapped inside of this face or, or this mask for so many years 
And so, you know, that, that this is he, you know, outward, he was very powerful and inside you saw this, you know, you know, soft boiled egg of a man. Um, but again, it, it, it took all of those people to create uh, the Darth Vader we know today. And, you know, and, and let's not forget about, you know, Hayden's, you know, contribution with young Anakin Skywalker. Um, sure. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's just fascinating to me, you know, that, that um, David talked about, you know, for the entire film, uh, the original A New Hope, uh, he received $7,000, or the, the, the English pounds equivalent of, of that, to play that part in that movie. Uh, and now, mind you, the checks got better as it got to Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um Unfortunately, um, George and, and David kind of had a, a falling out. Uh, actually, it, it happened um, supposedly during the, the production of Empire where somehow word got out uh, about, uh, you know, the whole Luke, I am your father storyline. And George mistakenly thought that it, it had come uh, from David. Uh, and which, when you think about it, I don't quite understand how that could have happened because wasn't David handed like an entirely different set of dialogue, you know, when he actually shot the scene with, with Mark Hamill? Yeah, the, the J.W. Rensler making of The Empire Strikes Back covers this a lot and how mm. David Prowse uh, mm. was, he just had kind of a way sort of like mark ruffalo but even yep. worse mm -hmm. just revealing things yep. <laughs> well before it was supposed to come out and they mm -hmm. had a hard time sort of curtailing that yeah yeah well i the what's interesting is that the reporter that broke the story years later flat out admitted look david didn't do this i got this from somebody else on the production who i don't want to burn and reveal but it wasn't david but by then the damage was done and and Lucasfilm and, and Prowse were kind of on the outs for a number of years. Um, but at the same time, you know, the interesting thing is that if you talked with David about, you know, and he, he'd done a lot of stuff over his career, you know, face it, we talked about uh, him being the Stanley Kubrick, you know, Clockwork Orange, uh, you know, he made, a, a number of, of hammer films in fact uh it was, was kind of interesting he he made a frankenstein and i say i think the monster from hell but he 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 played the monster and uh, dr frankenstein was played by peter cushing so you know That's when it came cool. you know when it came time for them to work together on a set of new hope it was you know it was old home week it's like oh david lovely to see you <laughs> you know and then you know just charge right in but honestly if you ask Prowse flat out, you know, over the course of his career, the thing he was proudest of, uh, it would it was actually being the Green Cross Code Man, um, who starred in a, a series of commercials and billboards and advertisements. This is uh, in the 1960s and 70s. Um, this was what taught young English children how to properly cross the street. And and the fact that, you know, he would go out in public and again, remember, you know, when he dressed as Vader, nobody knew who he was. But in the UK, when he'd go out in public, it's like, oh, my God, it's the Green Cross Code Man. 
and you know that that he he referred to it it was the best job he ever had uh and you know it, it, in fact he was awarded an mbe uh you know for his work uh you know the master of the british empire uh in 2000 for this and um I, look you know that that i can't pretend I, I i knew the man well i only got to talk with him for 10 minutes or so but but he he was this lovely down-to-earth guy during my time with it you know i had this very strong northern accent that in fact you know i remember reading afterwards how you know carrie fisher when she was talking about david we referred to him as darth farmer uh, and it's like of course i can see that um but but he was just he he was a a, a working actor he was a you know a, a, a man who got married in October of 1963 and and stayed married to Norma for the rest of his life and um they they had three lovely children together uh, in fact uh just today his daughter Rachel uh you know got sort of filled in the holes about what happened and uh, her dad, who'd been suffering from Alzheimer's over the last two years or so, that's one of the reasons he stepped away from doing the cons, I want to say, back in 2015, 2016. Um, uh, but what happened here, folks, uh, the reason we lost David is two weeks ago, he got COVID. Um, and in an interview with the Sun newspaper, Rachel Prowse said, it's horrible that COVID restrictions meant that we could not get to see him and say goodbye. But we went to collect his stuff at the hospital and the nurse said, what a cool guy he was. He was a larger than life character. And to be honest, he would have loved to see himself trending on Twitter. Um, so folks, just to cut to the chase here, wear your masks. All right. I mean, David had to on the set of, of Star Wars, and and the only way he could see out was through his nose. And you know, we we got a great film out of that. And if we all wear our masks, maybe this virus will go away that much faster. So that would be that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. So, and and speaking of wonderful, um, <laughs> Mr. Z here does. A couple of wonderful podcasts. Uh, we've got Coffee with Kenobi and the stuff you're doing over on Patreon these days. Can can you tell us what you've been up to lately? Or yeah, thank you. Thanks, by the way, for sharing those stories about David Prowse. I think it's I think it's important. I know when Peter Mayhew passed away, you came on Coffee with Kenobi. We spent a lot of time on looking at Lucasfilm talking about him. So these are these are iconic actors who have a big impact on why you and I met and became friends because of their impact on Star Wars. So I think it's important. On Coffee with Kenobi, we've been continuing to go through looking at episodes of The Mandalorian in great detail. We had Steve Sansweet on recently to talk about Rancho Obi-Wan and different things going on in merchandising these days. Uh, we've certainly got three episodes left, and then it, uh, we'll be transitioning to a new year. And And who knows where the world of Star Wars is going to take us, but we're going to have a lot of interviews for things with the High Republic and a lot of great stuff coming on, so... Very much looking forward to that. And then on, on CWK, pour over our Coffee with Kenobi Patreon page. We had um, been talking about different Thanksgiving and Christmas traditions. We're going to go into a top five stories about favorite Christmas movies, favorite Christmas songs. And we're going to give our New Year's resolutions as well, which is a typically really popular show that we do every year. Mm, that sounds really cool. 
Okay. Um, definitely sounds like worth stuff we're checking out. Uh, over here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, uh, we've got some fun shows headed your way. Uh, you know, Glenn uh, Test and I are starting up a new series of shows for Bandcamp. Uh, where we are deep diving into the Joseph Mankiewicz Epcot archive. Uh, Joseph was was one of the guys that Disney reached out to in 1978 when they were looking for big ideas as they were transitioning from Epcot the city to Epcot the theme park. And, and Joe saved everything. So we have early, early, early Epcot, and it's... It's it's not the city, but it will still kind of break your heart to find out what fell off the table. Um, let's see. We also have Find Hidden with Duke Taylor, uh, the, the gentleman who I talk about in animation news and history with. Uh, likewise, just earlier tonight, I recorded a brand new Marvel Us uh, Disney with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. Uh, should be working on a new universal joint uh, with Dustin Fuse. I don't know. Did you see the, the artwork today? Uh, I mean, the actual photographs today that came out from Super Mario Land for Universal Studios Japan? No, I haven't. I bet they're... Oh, go check those out, Dan. I mean, that this is, you know, that, that we are so, so obviously in a theme park arms race right now. I mean, you look at what Disney and the Imagineers did with uh, Black Spire Outpost, you know, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And when you look at uh, what Universal Creative has done with Super Mario Land, it, you are stepping into the game. I mean, there's just no other way to describe it. In fact, the thing that's so bizarre about the, the con you know, they had a photograph of the actual land, you know, from like 100 feet up. And you look at it and it's like, that can't be real. You know, that, that has to be a piece of concept art. And it's not. Wow, it's, you know that that and the best part is, you know they haven't they haven't officially announced it yet, but they're building the exact same thing at Universal Studios Hollywood. It'll be open for the summer of 2022, provided of course Governor Newsom allows any theme park to reopen in California sometime soon. Not that I'm bitter. Um, let's see. And speaking of things, you go to a theme park, you buy things, and that that brings us to the I want that podcast, which uh, which Ellie Vio to lead and. We're working on our, our Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas shopping edition, which hopefully will be up soon. Um, all right, folks. Uh, tell you what, if you could do Dan and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend uh, you know, both Coffee with Kenobi as well as the show you're listening to right now, Looking at Religious Film, uh, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, if you really, really, really like what you're hearing each night, you want to hand to Bandcamp and subscribe. That would be helpful. Um, and let's see, you know, Dan, honestly, as enjoyable as the podcasts are, the social media stuff is almost as fun. In fact, I was enjoying what you were showing off your your, your new merch line, the new shirts. Uh, and, and was that, did you shoot that in your backyard? Where, where, where did you take the picture? That's that's in my backyard. Yeah, sure is. There we go. Okay, but um, but that was for the the pour over show, right? Or I uh, know that was for Original Stitch has some really really high quality Star Wars customizable dress shirts that they sent me. Okay, well again, it, it looked really really nice, and and again, back where I, backyard didn't look too shabby either. So, but 
But if folks are looking to keep tabs on what you're up to in social media, where can they find you? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R, on Instagram, DanZCWK. And then Coffee with Kenobi is all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Okay. And uh, Nancy wants me to remind you, as far as our social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. We've got a few more of these that Dan and I are going to do. Um, so please come back. And until then, thanks for listening. And how do